Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Habakkuk chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, he says, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He's been complaining. He's like, okay, now I'm going to stand and let's see God. God, what do you say? Verse 2, and the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. Somebody say, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. God's like, I'm doing something. You wait. It may not be on your schedule or your timetable, but I'm God. And what I said I'm going to do, I'm going to do it. Anybody thank God? He is awesome. He is in control. He is all powerful. He is sovereign. And then God goes on like a little like rampage. Don't you worry about the enemies. I'm going to do this, this, this. It's called the five woes. And go home and read it. And you read that, you're like, whoa. God is for real. You don't mess around with God. But then go down to verse 13. I just want to read two more verses that kind of summarize God's vision. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that people labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing? God is saying, look at all these nations. They all want riches, prosperity. They all want to take over. They all worship idols. They all want power for nothing. Because at the end, this is what God's going to do. Verse 14, for the earth will be filled. Somebody say filled. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. I want to pause right there. God gives Habakkuk a vision. And he says, don't you worry, don't you worry, child. At the end, I'm going to cover the earth with my glory. We've been talking about glory the last several weeks, and I want to end this series uh, with this last part, part four. Next week, we'll jump into a relationship series, and so I think it's going to be powerful. Uh, if you're single, dating, married, thirsty, whatever, it is, come next week. Bring, <laughs> bring everybody you can. We need to talk about relationships, and we all need to get better. Um, but today, as we finish this statement of glory, I really believe we're going to see God's glory this year, and that just means all of God's goodness the weightiness of God, the heaviness of God. I really believe he wants to display it in our lives. I want to finish with part four. I've titled it Glory Days, kind of the name of our series. It's what I'm naming this last part of today's um, message, Glory Days. What is God saying as he's going to fill the earth with his glory? What does that mean? Let's talk about it for maybe about 20 minutes. And then worship was absolutely beautiful. And the worship team is going to come back up. We'll sing a song. And then we'll go outside and see a a whole bunch of people uh, getting baptized and deciding to follow Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. What a beautiful day. Thank you so far for the 9 a.m., this 11 a.m., the 1 p.m. next. Thank you for every service, every person connected. Thank you for what you're doing, God. It, It is wild, God. We're trying to do the best we can. Thank you for the grace of everyone, the love, the patience as people try to navigate from parking lot to seats and 
We're all just trying to get in here to see what you're up to, God. You are so good. Thank you for loving people like us. We know that sooner or later, you're going to open up a way and a building's on its way, land is on its way, and we believe it. We're moving forward in our glory days in Jesus' name. And I believe that today you want to do something in our hearts. You want to heal. I believe you want to restore. You are on the move. You are a good God, and you are worthy to be praised. All the glory goes to you as you fill the earth with your glory. We love you. We thank you. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that all of Calvary says, Amen. come on, all of Calvary Church says, Amen. can you make some noise for Jesus one more time? Come on. <laughs> Habakkuk, the prophet, is having a hard time seeing God because life has become chaotic, complex, it's been full of injustice for him because the people of God are suffering at the hands of the enemy. The Babylonians have absolutely decimated their city and now hold them as slaves. And Habakkuk is upset. He can't see God and he can't see God's purposes in what's going on. And it seems like God is going to take a while longer to answer. And so Habakkuk is upset. And he's like, God, where, where are you? I don't, I don't see you. You ever been like that? God, I, I don't see you, God. God, I've complained to you for a whole chat. Where are you, God? You ever got a little attitude with God? God, I can't understand you. I can't see you. I can't stand you. <laughs> it's the holy service, I know. But other, some of us, <laughs> some of us catch an attitude with God every once in a while. So Habakkuk is there. Habakkuk can't see God. Because life is so full. When life becomes extremely full and packed and chaotic, it's hard to see. I think some of us today, we walked in with vision problems. We can't see clearly because life is absolutely full. I'll give you an example. December now in our household, it's a full month because uh, my birthday's in December. My daughter decided to be born on my birthday. And so, um, how many know I don't have a birthday anymore? It's her birthday. And then a couple of weeks later, a week and a half later, it's Christmas. And so um, this past uh, December was the first time that we were celebrating her birthday. And the family was super kind and gave her a bunch of gifts. And then I got one or two. Um, <laughs> and then Christmas came and she got a bunch more. And um, uh, I walked into the garage at the end of December, and it was full of boxes. A bunch of boxes. I mean, she got all kind of toys for her first birthday. I mean, the family spoiled her. It was beautiful. But I'm telling you, the garage was packed with boxes. On top of that, uh, Diana's an incredible Amazon shopper. <laughs> and so I get home every day, and there's packages every single day. And I'm like, I don't know. We, we needed more. And so... Uh, the other day, I promise you, and I have a picture, I got to find it. The other day, we got home, and there was five boxes. And I'm like, you have a problem. This Wednesday, we're praying for deliverance over your life and freedom. And so you walk in. I mean, it was nothing but boxes. I was trying to find my little toolbox, because I was going to be Bob the Builder for a moment. And uh, I couldn't find anything because it was full. When life gets crowded like that, it's hard. You start having vision problems because life is just full. In the world that we live in today, all of us have full lives. 
Our schedules are full. Our minds are full. Our souls are full. We got all kinds of pressures, anxieties, calendars that we got to meet, job requirements, family situations, things that we got to attend to. We got full lives. All of us in here have full lives. We live busy lives. And if we're not careful, a crowded schedule can begin to block the vision that God has for your life and for my life. And so I believe vision is absolutely important and you got to be careful when you're having some vision problems and you can't see clearly what God has for your life, right? The Bible says that he, without vision, be careful because without vision, the people perish. In other words, if you don't know where you're going in life, you're going to do anything you want and it might lead to destruction. You need a vision for your life. That's why we gave you today a statement that you can write down, a card that you can write down something for your life. Get a vision. Where am I headed? If you're a guy in here, what kind of man do you want to be? What kind of husband do you want to be? What kind of father? You may not even be married. You, you still may be in the thirsty stage. You're not even, you're not even dating. But you need to know who you want to be so that when you get there, you get a picture of who you're going to be. If you, you need to stay ready so you never have to get ready. If you're, if you're a, a single woman in here, what kind of mom do I want to be? What kind of wife do I want to be? The date of, or what kind of businesswoman do I want to be? Have a vision for your life. Otherwise, you're going to do whatever you want because there is no direction. A clear vision gives correct direction. This is who I want to be since I was young. My parents instilled that in me. My pastors put that in me. So I kept myself from certain things because I knew who I wanted to be when I was older. And you may not have the full vision, but at least get a step in there. This is the direction I want to go. I talked to some young guys that all they want to do is be with a bunch of girls at the same time. They're young and they're cheating and they're like, no, nah, no, nah, but the day I get married, Alex, that's not be faithful to my boo. Like, the day I get married. I'm like, that's absolutely not true. You don't have a vision for your life. Because what you practice in dating, you execute in marriage. You're just practicing who you're going to be later. But if you get a vision, say, no, I'm going to keep myself. I'm going to dedicate myself. It doesn't matter if you're 16 or 60. This is who I want to be. This is my legacy. This is the house. This is the marriage. This is the business. Come on, get a vision. Somebody shout vision. And so today I basically put it this way. Crowded lives leave us with cloudy vision. When we are crowded with all kinds of anxiety, pressures, troubles, desires, urges that we just give ourselves to when there is no vision, you are going to live a cloudy life. I'll just do anything, go anywhere because I have no vision or direction for my life. Here's the thing. I think a lot of us, we have full lives. We have quantity, but we don't have quality. And I just believe that God wants to fill my life and your life, not just with quantity, but with quality. Because we serve a God of quality. And so he wants to fill our church with quality, not just quantity. Both are good, and God can do both very well. This is why the Apostle Paul, writing to the church in Ephesus, in chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, he goes, oh, I pray that you may know or grasp how wide, how long, how high, how deep is his love. That's quantity. And then at the end, he says, oh, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Come on, that's quality. He wants to fill you with quantity and quality. That you may know this God, that you may know his glory, that you may be filled with him. If we're going to be full of anything, come on, let's be full of God. Let's be full of his glory, his power, his love, his mercy. 
And so I literally believe God wants to fill our lives with his glory. Today, I don't know how you walked in here. Don't know what your life has looked like four weeks since we started the new year. I don't know what life looks like. Here's what I know. He wants to fill you with glory. And he wants you to walk with his goodness. And I am convinced that God is restoring the image of humanity. God is, is working, currently working. His agenda is to restore the image of that which he created. We, we talked about this in week one. But we can read it one more time. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. The Bible says that the Godhead, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, he says this, then God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. So God made you and I to be in his image. Now, now follow me. That word image there in the Hebrew, it literally stands for his shadow. So we are not God, but we are like his shadow. That is supposed to be our purpose. This is why he designed us. In other words, if I stand in the way of this light, there's a shadow behind me. The shadow is not me, but the shadow does what I do. Yeah. Are you following me? Yeah. We are not God, but we are supposed to act like God, love like God, walk in his nature, walk in love, in mercy, in grace, in forgiveness, in hope, in joy, in peace. We are like a shadow of God. When he said, let us make man in our likeness, in our image, is for you and I to display who God is on earth. This is why he created us. In other words, when God looks down on earth, he wants to see a bunch of little hymns. One other, basically, word picture there is that we are supposed to be like little mirrors that reflect his nature. So when God looks down on earth, he wants to see himself and say, glory to myself. <laughs> glory to God. This is the crowned creation. That's beautiful. This is supposed to be, when God looks down, he's supposed to look at the highest level of creation that he made. Yes, he made ducks. Yes, he made dolphins. Yes, he made whales. Yes, he made birds. Yes, he made the cloud and the sun. But when he looks at mankind, he's supposed to see his likeness and his image, a mirror of who God is, to walk in dominion, in power, in love, in authority. We are God's mirror on earth. So God looks down, and we're all supposed to reflect him back. The problem is that sin got in the dirt. We talked about that week one. So what happened to our mirrors? They got shattered. Sin came in, broken. Every single one of us, not one of us in here are perfect. Sin comes in and shatters the image of God. Absolutely breaks the image of God. When we say yes to sin, we are shattering the image of God. We don't reflect them. We now are walking around in pride, in ego. And we no longer are full mirrors, but now we're shattered mirrors. And some of us, this is how we're in here today. We got a shattered mirror, a broken image of who God is. We've done things we're not proud of. We've sinned. We've fallen short of his glory, the Bible says. And we're not this mirror that we're supposed to be. John Calvin put it this way, man resembles him and that in him, God's glory is contemplated as in a mirror. In other words, when people see you, people are supposed to see a reflection of him. I wonder if when we go to our workplace, when people look at us, they see God. I, I wonder if like when we bump into each other at the grocery store, do people see God? When we're in our cubicles, in our workplaces, 
And they're like, oh yeah, those, that, that cubicle, cubicle three, that, that guy goes to Calvary. When people go in there, do they see God? When people look at the way we give, the way we spend our time, the way we carry our lives, the way we love our family, do they see a reflection of God? When we're driving down the turnpike, somebody cuts us off. Do they get a reflection of God? Or do we wave with one finger only? Glory to God. You and I are supposed to be reflections of God, mirrors of God here on earth. We were made in his image, shadows of God. What he does, we do. We are his image on earth. And today, some of us are like, I look nothing like God. I've been shattered and broken by life. And perhaps you walked in here today, somebody invited you first time, second time, you're watching online and you're like, yeah, my mirror is shattered. I look nothing like God. I haven't acted like God to my family, to my spouse, to my parents, to my friends, to my brothers, my sister. I got a broken image in my life. And this is why when we say the term glory days, it's hard to believe because our mirrors are shattered. And some of us think our glory days, especially when we say that term, it can refer to the past. And it's like, no, your mirror can get restored today. We serve a God that takes broken mirrors and restores them, repairs them. Come on, that's what Jesus is. He's the restorer of mankind. Come on, he came to repair. He came to heal. He came to deliver. He came to free. We serve a good God. He came so that we would walk in our glory days in healing, reflecting the sun back. Come on, he's an awesome God. Today, though, maybe some of us, what we need to learn is this, that if we want to be a reflection, first there must be a releasing. Today, some of us, if we want God to restore the image of God, God, I want to walk around and be a reflection of you, to walk in my God-given purpose. That's the vision. Then first, I may have to release some pride, ego, hurt, betrayal. I got a few minutes left. I'll, I'll give you three things that I think we can do. And I, I try to make them easy so we can all walk away and kind of remember these for the next several weeks. So I hope this helps. But but I think if we want to walk in our glory days, first and foremost, we need to let go. Somebody say, let go. What, what do you need to let go of? Like I said, we're, we're talking about glory days. And I love that we use this phrase because usually that refers to the past. When anybody says, oh, those were the glory days. <laughs> oh, the 80s. Woo. I had a mean mustache and a six pack. Those were the glory days. You ever heard people talk like that? If you would have seen me in 1978, I had a big business and I was crushing it in Miami, right? Those were the glory days. I don't know. I just believe that God is always up to something new. And I don't know if something good or bad happened in your past and you always reflect on your glory day. Maybe that first marriage was glory days or my life was glory days. But since then, the, the mirror's been shattered. I just think that God is always up to something new and he takes us from glory to glory to glory. So when I speak about glory days, it's in him as he takes me from strength to strength. My best days are not behind me. Your best days are not behind you. They are here right now as he's restoring the image, as he's healing the image as he's breathing his life he takes us from glory to glory to glory calvary our best days are right here right now the best is yet to come we're moving into a new building we're moving into new land we're impacting our city the best is yet to come come on but you gotta release the past whatever it is that's holding you captive good or bad 
we serve a good God that the best is right here, right now. I'm going to let go of my complaints. I'm going to let go of my attitude with God. And I'm going to say, God, you're moving. And I'm going to trust you that in your time, in your schedule, you're going to make it happen. I'm going to let go of whatever my concerns are or my attitudes or my schedule is. You're God that's always on time. Paul, continuing to write to the church in Ephesus, he says this in chapter 4, When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. Somebody say your former way. In other words, Paul says, there was a way that you used to live. Some of us know. Some of us used to be in club live till 5 a.m. dancing. He says, put off your old self, which is now being corrupted by his deceitful, deceitful desires. Hello. To be made new in an attitude of your minds and to put on your new self. Come on. Created to be like God. Same thing in true righteousness and holiness. Paul says, put off that old self. Let it go. Let go of that temper. Let go of that offense. Let go of that work. Some of us are still carrying around offense from 1989. I can't believe they did that. It's 2024. Walk in glory. Walk in freedom. Walk in healing. Come on, let it go. In the words of Frozen, let it go, let it go, let it go, and walk forward. Come on. Walk in your glory days. Number one, let it go. Number two, look at. Somebody say look at. Mirrors are interesting, and I think it's, it's beautiful that God made us to be reflections of him like a mirror. Because I think mirrors are interesting objects. It, mirrors can be good and bad. Right? Like you look at a mirror, and you could observe yourself. You ever seen a narcissist that is absolutely in love with themselves looking at every mirror? Anybody know somebody like that? If you're sitting next to them, don't point at them. But there's people who can't help it, but they walk next to a car and they're looking in the window like, I tell you, I look good today. It's funny because this object can start to create ego, pride. It's an object that shows us ourselves, but it can, it can heighten the human mind. It can bring comparison. I think it can be good, but it can also be bad because some people look in the mirror and they feel shame. They look in the mirror and they're just like, oh, they see things that happened in the past, decisions they made, insecurities. When I say look at, number one, we let go. Number two, we look at. I'm talking about looking at Jesus because we're obsessed with looking at ourselves that we need to fix our vision on him. There, there's a very interesting story in the book of Exodus, and I'll explain it quickly, but you should look into it. They're building the temple for God, the old temple. And they get to this point where they got to build the basin, the place where the priests used to wash their hands and their face. And what they built it with was the mirrors of the women that used to be with them. In fact, Exodus 38, 8 says, he made the basin of bronze and his stand of bronze from the mirrors of the ministering women who ministered at the entrance of the tent of the meeting. Many people believe that those women, what they did is that they sang worship. That was like the worship team at the entrance of the temple. They used to have mirrors, right? They had mirrors in their pockets or purses. Moses asked for these mirrors. They get the mirrors. They melt them. And what they get from the mirrors, they construct the basin that is supposed to wash you and cleanse you before you walk into the holies of holies. Now, I think that's absolutely significant. And I think God does everything with a purpose. Because the mirrors that are supposed to show you your defects, 
or pride or ego or shame got melted down so that it can build the last place that man washed himself before he went into God's presence. In other words, the priest, he stood at the temple and let's say you and I, we, we were part of that Jewish people back in the day. Once a year, you would have to go to the temple with a lamb. So we would show up with a lamb or, or, or an ox or a bull and we'll say, okay, here's a sacrifice for my sins this past year. The priest would have to slaughter that lamb, put them on the burning altar. They would make a sacrifice and that our sins were transferred into that lamb and we were forgiven for the next year. Then the priest would have to clean all that out and then next came the next family. Can you imagine what a dirty job that was? By the time he was done, the priest was covered in blood and dirt. And where would he go to wash himself? The basin. Before he went and ministered to God, he would go to this basin or a fountain-like. It was full of waters and it was made from old mirrors. And there he began to wash the blood that was all over him and the dirt that was all over him. Many believe this basin was reflected because it was made of the bronze of the mirrors that got melted and sooner or later, whether it was in the basin or in the water, he would get a reflection of himself while he's washing himself and he would see himself stained with blood and dirt and he would grab that water and begin to wash himself and that which reminded humanity of our brokenness and sinfulness now stands at the place that reminds us of his blood that washes away all the sins of the world the mirror is not supposed to show you your brokenness the mirror is supposed to show you who Jesus is he redeemed me he healed me he made me brand new I'm a new creation in Christ oh he who is in him the old has been passed away I'm a new look at Jesus when you look in the mirror see a new creation see a person washed by the blood see a person walking in glory see somebody that God is restoring when you look in the mirror now Today, when you go look in the mirror, don't look at all your brokenness, all your sinfulness. He who is in Christ is a new creation. You look at Jesus today. Like the priest would see the lamb that was being sacrificed and what it meant as the Messiah that was coming that would be the final lamb once and for all. See that in the mirror. Wow, I see the blood of Jesus washed me and made me new. I see my dirt that was cleansed. And as you look at Jesus, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, this verse, we talked about it almost every week. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. It says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God. One translation says, as in a mirror. In other words, as we look to Jesus, it's like a mirror. As you read the word, as you study the word, as you spend time in the Bible, you look at Jesus like a mirror. That's how clearly we see Jesus now in the word. And then it says, we reflect him. And we're being transformed into that same image from one degree, degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. What you behold, you become. What you look at, gaze at. What you fix your eyes on, you slowly start turning into. We're walking in our glory days because we're looking at Jesus and he takes us from glory to glory, to glory, to glory, to glory. And so today, we're going to walk in our glory days because we're going to let go of whatever it is that was holding us. We're going to look at Jesus, the Son of God. What he's done is he's restoring the image. And then number three, the bank come up. We're going we're gonna to live out. We're going to live out this new truth in our life. 
Paul says you put off the old and you put on the new. Today, maybe you came in with brokenness, with hurt, with a shattered mirror. You can leave out of here with a brand new mirror. It's the mirror of the Son of God. As you look to Him, you now begin to live out that truth. And you are transformed. In the Hebrew, that word transformed is metamorphos, where we get our English word metamorphosis. And literally what it means is that you're being changed from the inside out. It's not that, that God is taking this old person and slowly repairing them. No, he literally makes us new. He gives us a new image. Some of us in here, this is what we need to understand today. He wants you to live out and walk out in that new identity that you are in Christ now. You're not defined by the glory days of the past. You're defined by the glory days of today. Because he's taking me from glory to glory to glory to glory. Our identity and our similarities of being reflections of God is so beautiful because this is how they actually used to make mirrors in ancient times. If you go study of how they made mirrors, is much like we've covered throughout this whole series. How they made mirrors in ancient times was that they would grab sand. Mirrors were made from sand. And so they would grab the sand or the dust or the dirt and they would put it in these ovens at high degree. Number one, we talked about how we're made from dirt or sand or dust. Number two, we talked about how God takes us through the fire. And it's through the fire that we begin to get purified. And this is what mirror makers used to do. In the oven, they would trust that the fire would burn off all the bad things that were in the sand. And it would become molten lava. And that molten lava, they'll begin to form it and shape it the same way that he forms and shapes us. And then they would begin to give it the final shape and they'll begin to paint over it this reflective material so that the glass would become a mirror. That's what the Holy Spirit does when he comes to breathe on us and he covers us with his presence, with his glory, with his anointing so that the final product was a mirror. That same steps in mirrors physically is what God does in our life spiritually. He's taken the dirt that was ruined and shattered when sin came in He's taking us through the fire, sanctifying us, processing us, so that at the end we can stand like mirrors, being a reflection of Him. I want to finish today with this verse one more time, just a reminder. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. Habakkuk, I know you don't understand. I know you're having vision problems, but write this down so you don't forget, so the people don't forget, so all of Israel doesn't forget, so nobody forgets. Write this down. Listen, Habakkuk. I know you got an attitude with me right now. I know you're mad. But I want you to know that I'm going to destroy all the enemies. And at the end of time, verse 14, for all the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. That is a vision, a promise that you and I can stand on. That when all of hell breaks loose against our life, I don't know what's happening right now, but I know that sooner or later, His glory is breaking out, it's covering the earth, it's filling the earth, and one day, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So I'm going to worship Him, I'm going to trust Him, I'm going to give Him the glory, I'm going to give Him the honor, because He's not a man to lie, He's not the Son of Man to go back on His Word. He's going to fill the earth with His glory. How does He fill it? With a bunch of little mirrors reflecting Him. You and I, we're going out, mirroring God, filling the earth with His glory, with His nature, with His power, with His grace.
Come on, Calvary. Why don't we stand up on our feet? Come on, why don't we lift up our hands right now, all over this place. God said, one day I'm going to cover the earth with my glory. What does that mean? He's going to fill it with a bunch of mirrors that look like him. And the earth will be full of his glory. The question today is, will we be part of that reflection army? Will we look like him? Will we live this thing out? Will we release ego, pride, sin, shame, guilt? Will we let it go and say, God, I want to be a reflection of you? Because he's going to do it with or without us. He's filling the earth with his glory. One day, the earth is going to be full of a bunch of billions of mirrors that reflect him. And everyone will know that he is God. Write it down. Know it. Stand. Run with that. Today, do you want to be part of that reflection? That you and I begin to walk this thing out. This is our vision at Calvary Reach, Help, Teach, Release. That all of us go out and we become reflective mirrors of his grace, his love, his forgiveness, the hope that we have in him, Jesus Christ. The hope of glory. Hallelujah. Come on, with eyes closed all over the auditorium, all over additional seating. We're about to leave. I went over a couple minutes. We're about to leave. Every eye closed. Today, if you're in here and your mirror's been broken, your life has been shattered by tragedies, grief, sin, mistakes, whatever it is, you walked into this place and you're like, I'm shattered, I'm broken. I haven't been reflecting him to my spouse, my family, my kids, my co-worker. I've been living maybe with pride, with ego. I've been living with shame, with guilt. Whatever it is, there's a good God who loves you and he restores today. Come on, as the church is praying, every eye closed, every head bowed. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You and I, we can't restore our own image. We were made in his image, but we gave way to sin. We still do, and it destroys our life. The Bible says sin destroys, but Jesus came to restore. He came to give life and life to the fullest. Come on, as we're all praying in a private and worshipful moment, whether you're here, online, additional seating, wherever you are, if you're saying, today I want forgiveness for my sins, Jesus, the God-man, the Bible says he was the glory of God in the flesh. He came down and he carried my sins, your sins, went up on a cross. And the Son of God died in our place for me and for you. The Bible says he hung there on that cross, dead. They put him in a grave. He was dead for three days. But today we sang that there is no body in the grave any longer. Jesus is alive. He is the conquering lion. He is the restorer of all mirrors. He is the lily of the valley. He is the only one. He is the only one that has hope, peace, mercy, grace. My friend, you've tried it all. You've done it all. Nothing brings you peace, hope, joy, the way Jesus can give it. With every eye closed, every head bowed, if you're here, you say, Alex, I need Jesus. I want my life to be fixed. I want my sins forgiven. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. With every eye closed, every head bowed, I'm going to count to three. And if you're saying, Alex, would you pray for me? I need Jesus. I want forgiveness of my sins.
I want to repent. That means you want to turn around. I want to, I want to hand them my broken mirror that he would melt it and hand me a brand new mirror that I may reflect them in my life little by little, step by step. Today, if you need Jesus, if you need forgiveness, if you want to confess him as Lord and Savior of your life, I would love to give you an opportunity. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you here. Additional seating online. Every eye closed. Come on, the church praying. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Then you can put your hand right back down. If you're saying, Alex, pray for me. I need Jesus today. I need forgiveness. I want a brand new beginning, a brand new start. I'm going to start walking from glory to glory to glory. At the count of three, raise your hand. Hold it up high enough, long enough for me to see you. Then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hands all over this auditorium. Raise it up, raise it up, raise it up. As high as you can. Hands everywhere, all over the auditorium. I see you, I see you, I see you, I see you. Amazing, 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 amazing. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Amazing, amazing. Additional seating online. You raise your hand. God sees you right there. Put your hands down all over this place. I want you to repeat this prayer with me from the bottom of your heart. In fact, the whole church out loud in one voice. Come on, let's say this together as one big family. Repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. Today I admit that I'm a sinner and that I need you. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. That you died for my sins and on the third day you resurrected. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and be my Savior. From today on, oh come on Calvary, from today on, I believe I am saved, I'm healed, and I'm forgiven. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on Calvary, can we throw a party in this place? Can we give God a big praise for that? Come on. Hey, we're leaving right now. We're going to sing this song out one more time. But if you raise your hand, pick up this bag on the way out. There's a bunch of team members out there. They want to give you this bag. There's a bunch of free gifts in there. The most important gift, there's a free Bible. We don't want nothing. They're not going to give you a bag and they say $9.99, $10.99. No, it's absolutely free. And if anything, give us an email. We'd love to send you resources about CLS, Grow Track, and all that. But we love you. We love you. We love you. Best decision you can make. Come on, to start the new year. Amazing.